Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. Vacation starts with VA. Whether you're feeling beachy, mountainy, or every E in between, you'll find all that you love all in one trip to Virginia. Start yours at virginia.org. Oh, hey, hi, how are you? It's Tom Stewart. So I've been trying to think of different ways to add more content to this podcast. You know, some things for you to listen to in between my new stories. And of course, I want the content to be related to the paranormal. So I thought for this episode, I would give you a first-person review of my visit to Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum. For those of you who don't know, Zach Baggins is the main host and creator of the paranormal TV show, Ghost Adventures. For quite a few seasons now, he and his team have investigated many haunted locations. And over those years, Zach has acquired quite a collection of strange and haunted objects. So many so that he decided to open a museum right there in his hometown of Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, if you're a big fan of the paranormal TV shows, or if you're a paranormal investigator yourself, you've probably heard there's a lot of drama between Zach and several other people in the paranormal field. Now, I don't know Zach personally, so I can't give any opinions about him really, or any of the others involved in all the hubbub. I've heard secondhand stories from friends of friends and such, but I have no personal knowledge of anything that has to do with Zach Baggins. However, it is no secret that I've never been a big fan of his show, Ghost Adventures. I just never agreed with the practices and techniques that he uses on his investigations. Now, I know most of it is just for show. They're trying to make investigating seem more exciting for television. But I always felt that the things that he does, like locking themselves in locations or in rooms... Uh, running from scary situations or provoking, even challenging entities. I just felt those were all bad examples for those in the paranormal field. And let's face it, most paranormal investigators are inspired by the TV shows and in many cases will try and imitate what they see on the TV. And I've always felt what Zach was doing on Ghost Adventures is not only impractical, but also unsafe. I'm also not a fan of most of the tools and gadgets he uses either. Although I could say that about most of the paranormal shows. But most of all, I feel like some of the things he claims to be evidence of spirits might not actually be real. Now, I wasn't there, so I can't outright say he's faking things, but as someone with years of experience investigating and years of experience with audio and video... Let's just say I find myself questioning a lot of the things on that show. So, with that in mind, I'm going to try and give you an impartial review of Zach Baggins' Haunted Museum. Now, I certainly didn't go to the museum as a fan, but I was really intrigued by the many items he has collected over the years. So, well, maybe, maybe I should add some music to this. I'm not a big fan of just hearing my voice dry like this. Let's see how this sounds. Yeah, 
That's a little better. So my review goes like this. Last June, my fiance and I went to Las Vegas for a week. We were there for one main reason, to get married. And on June 22nd, we tied the knot at a small Elvis chapel in Las Vegas. No, we didn't have Elvis marrying us, but it was an option. We had a nice, quiet outdoor ceremony under a gazebo, just the two of us. No family, no friends, no guests, just the preacher and the photographer as witnesses. Exactly how we wanted it, and it was a perfect day. And when we were planning this trip, we knew we didn't have much time to do a lot of the things you'd want to do while in Vegas. We were arriving late on Monday and leaving early on Friday, and the wedding was on Wednesday, so we basically had Tuesday and Thursday, just two days to do touristy-type things. So before we left, we both picked the one thing we each wanted to do the most while in Vegas. And my wife, she picked a romantic ride outside on the gondolas at the Venetian Hotel. And it was perfect. The sun was setting over the mountains as the driver was singing us songs in Italian, and we slowly floated around the lagoon. It was beautiful. And when it came time for me to pick what I wanted to do during our short stay in Las Vegas, I, being me, chose the Haunted Museum. I know, I'm quite the romantic. Now, as much as the paranormal is my thing, it's not really my wife's favorite thing. But she's my soulmate, so she agreed to go. But I knew she would end up liking it anyways. She is a fan of scary movies, and she loves true crime. And I knew from what I'd read on the internet that the museum had a lot of both. But she thought initially it was going to be more like a haunted house, you know, where things jump out at you and stuff. And for the most part, it's not like that. Now, I guess at this point, I should stop and give you a spoiler alert. If you've never been to Zach Baggins Haunted Museum and you're hoping to go someday and you don't want any of the attractions or surprises to be ruined, then you should probably stop listening now. But if you've already been or you're not concerned with spoilers, keep listening because I'm going to give you a deep dive into my thoughts about some of the attractions that I found inside. And I'm also going to do my best to describe them and give some history and details about them, from what I know, according to my research and knowledge. Now, the museum isn't on the Las Vegas Strip, but it's not too far off the beaten path, so it's a short Uber ride to the mansion. And yes, it's basically an old Vegas mansion with a small parking lot. Some important things to know before you go. First of all, it isn't for kids. In fact, I think they have like a 14-year-old age limit. Um, but honestly, that even might be a little too young. There are some horrific and graphic items and themes in the museum that you might not want to expose your kids to. Although, with all the things they see in video games and on television these days, they're probably used to it. When it comes to getting tickets, definitely buy them in advance on the internet. And I believe they're a little cheaper that way too. But if you don't, you'll be waiting in a standby line to buy tickets at the door. And for what I'm told, it's usually a long wait. Actually, you'll be waiting in a line either way, but it'll definitely be faster if you have a reservation. Now, there are two different kinds of tickets you can buy. The regular general admission ticket 
and of course a VIP ticket, or as they call it, the RIP ticket. I'm not going to call it that. <laughs> the VIP tickets are like $20 or $30 more, and a lot of people told me I should get them, but I decided not to. You do, however, get a laminated pass and lanyard to wear during the tour, and then they give you a free souvenir t-shirt at the end, which is probably worth that extra money. And you also get to go into special rooms and areas on the tour that are VIP only. But I went with the regular ticket. But a few people in my tour group had VIP passes. And I honestly got to say, I don't feel like it added to the experience. Some of the rooms we visited, maybe like five, six of them, had separate doors where the VIP guests could go in and see a few extra attractions that we didn't get to see. And the rest of us would have to wait for them or meet them on the other side or something. And it was kind of awkward in a way. Made the tour feel longer, too. I asked a couple of them what they saw and if they thought it was worth it. And every single one of them said, eh. So I never felt like I was missing out on anything by not getting the VIP ticket. Except maybe the, the free t-shirt. Which honestly, I probably wouldn't have worn anyways. If you want to see some cool paranormal t-shirts, check out my friends at paraboxmonthly.com. There's an affiliate link and pictures on my website for them. And yes, that's a free plug. Now, speaking of long, the tour is long, like almost three hours long. And that doesn't count the time you'll be waiting outside. They can only fit a few tour groups inside at a time, so there's a couple of queues outside some of which is under a canopy with misters. But a lot of it is uncovered, so you'll be standing in the Las Vegas desert heat for a time. So keep that in mind. There are a lot of rooms in the museum, like 30 or more, I'd say, and lots of stuff in each room that you'll want to take time to look at. And a few things you'll want to look at quickly and then walk away. They also don't allow food or drinks inside. So that's a long time to go without water in the desert. So don't go right before lunch or dinner because you'll be starving by the end. They will give you a quick water fountain and bathroom break about halfway through the tour. And of course, the tour ends in the souvenir shop where you'll be dying to buy a water and some candy. Now before I get to the actual haunted attractions that I know you're dying to hear about, let me just elaborate a little bit more about the start of the tour. Once you actually get inside, you'll be gathered into a small room in the lobby with your group and your guide. There's a small ticket window where you check in with your reservation, and then you are subjected to a lot of psychological warfare. They really try to mess with your head before going in. The room is tiny, and you're all crammed in there together. There are no windows, and the walls are filled with spooky artifacts like creepy dolls and clown heads. And there are warning signs about the spirits within. And they give you a little speech about safety and the history of the mansion and how it's supposedly haunted. And there are video monitors playing stories of people talking about how scared they were and footage of people passing out and needing an ambulance, stuff like that. So it's a real mindfuck, if you'll pardon my language. They also make you sign a waiver that says that they aren't responsible for any of the free-roaming spirits or cursed objects and what they do during your visit or if they follow you home. 
and they also don't allow any pictures or videos, so unfortunately, I couldn't document my experience. Now, I also wouldn't be surprised if they use other mind tricks and schemes to make the tour seem more frightening. Many of the rooms are small, some of the floors and ceilings are slanted, there's different lighting and sounds and smells and temperature changes, and who knows what other things they're doing subconsciously and subliminally to throw our bodies off and make us feel off balance, you know, just so that everything's a little more creepy. Now, as the tour finally starts, you're guided into the first room. And now keep in mind, this is a guided tour. You don't get to just roam freely on your own. And the first room is filled with antique fortune teller machines. You know, the kind you would see at carnivals or on boardwalks. You put a coin in the slot and the doll inside lights up and moves around all creepy-like. And eventually it spits out a ticket with your fortune on it. Sort of like in the movie Big. Well, as the guide tells us, Zach Baggins has an obsession with these machines, and this is part of his collection. But his prized possession is a fortune teller machine made to his likeness. And the guide asked if anyone would like to put a dollar in the Zach machine and see what their fortune is. And nobody was volunteering, so me, being the big, brave, paranormal guy that I am, I stepped up. The machine did its thing in Zach's recorded voice, and it spit out my fortune basically a $1 souvenir, like he needs any more money. This, however, would only be the beginning of what was to become the Zach Baggins show. The entire museum is basically about Zach. The tour guide doesn't do much speaking. Most of the stories and descriptions at each attraction are done by Zach himself on pre-recorded videos and audio throughout the museum. So if you're a Zach Baggins fan, you're going to love this. If you're not, well, it might get tired real fast. Now, like I said, it's a long tour. So for the sake of time, I'm going to talk about just a handful of the rooms and oddities that I found to be most interesting and some of the ones I didn't. I think one of my favorite attractions, for some reason, was the Kervorkian Death Van. This is the actual 1969 Volkswagen van that Dr. Jack Kervorkian used to drive to people's homes to help them commit suicide. Kevorkian was a controversial figure back in the 80s and 90s. He was very outspoken throughout his medical career about his opinion on people having the right to terminate their own lives if they are suffering from an uncurable disease or some medical condition. But in most states, this isn't allowed, at least not at the time. So Kevorkian became what he called a death consultant. He would give people instructions on how to safely and painlessly commit suicide. He even created several euthanasia devices that with the simple push of a button, a person could achieve their goal of ending their life. And for several years, he equipped his VW van with a bed and equipment that would allow these people to comfortably pass away by their own wishes. Now, there was a lot of debate back and forth for years on this topic, and Kevorkian was eventually convicted and jailed for doing this. And even though it's not haunted or cursed, it's still pretty creepy to be standing there in the room next to that van that people died in. The side door is open, too, so you can see the old hospital-style bed and the apparatus inside, and there's some pictures of his patients. And if I remember correctly, 
the headlights to the van were lit up too. One of the better true crime attractions in the museum is the Charles Manson Room. And keep in mind, there are a lot more true crime attractions than there are haunted ones. And this one stood out to me. Charles Manson was a cult leader who convinced his followers to commit several brutal murders in the late 60s and early 70s. And he was convicted of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, and was sent to jail on a life sentence. And this Charles Manson room is a replica of Manson's jail cell, filled with real-life artifacts from his jail life and death. The collection includes personal items like one of his prison uniforms, some of his drawings and letters, even his dentures. There's even some leftover bone fragments from his cremation, which was gifted to Zach Baggins by Manson's grandson, who said that the items were causing paranormal activity in his home. But one of the creepiest displays is a painting someone did of Manson that uses his cremated ashes for the eyes. Kind of weird. The museum also has a lot of memorabilia from serial killers, like Ted Bundy's glasses that he wore as a disguise, and the actual cauldron that Ed Gain used to boil the skin off the bodies of people he murdered and the corpses of the bodies he stole from graveyards. But the most nauseating room was the one that featured items from a serial killer who used to kidnap and torture young men and boys to death. The display has the actual bed and sheets with blood and bodily fluids still on them. It's very disturbing. Now, one of my least favorite sections of the museum was a room full of items that belonged to celebrities who died tragically. For instance, there's a piece of axle from James Dean's car that he crashed and died in. It's a car that was rumored to have been cursed. There's also outfits worn by celebrities who have committed suicide over the years, like Robin Williams, for instance. And there's even a photo of Chris Farley's corpse, among other disturbing celebrity relics. Just being in that room, everything just felt heavy. Like it was just a sad and just emotionally heavy room. Now let's get to some of the more paranormal-leaning displays. The first would be the Devil's Rocking Chair. Now this is supposedly the actual rocking chair that famed demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren conducted an exorcism of a demon trapped inside a little boy. It's known as the Devil in Connecticut story, and it even became a famous court case and is the premise for one of the Conjuring movies. Now they don't let anyone sit in the rocking chair anymore, supposedly because bad things would happen to people who do. But I kind of wanted to sit in it anyway. So I snuck in and... No, I didn't. I'm just joking. My wife would have freaked out if I'd sat in that chair. <laughs> but it is pretty freaky to, to see. Then there's the haunted doll named Peggy, who you need to be polite to and say hello and goodbye as you visit, or she might get angry. Peggy is supposedly possessed by the spirit of an Englishwoman born in the 1940s, and spirit mediums claim her spirit lives in the doll and is restless and frustrated. And I would be too if I was on display at a museum. 
You're told not to look into her eyes. They say if you stare at her for too long, it can cause you to have anxiety, headaches, or even a heart attack. Some workers and guests claim to sometimes hear voices coming from that room. So I went in and I said my respectful hello and goodbye and just gave her a quick nod as I looked into her eyes briefly. I think she liked me. Another room I found interesting had a staircase in it as a display. A staircase that you can't walk on. This creepy set of stairs is on the other side of a partition, so you can look over, but you can't access it. And apparently, this is the actual staircase from what's known as the Demon House. This was a house in Indiana that had a nasty spirit who tormented a family who lived there. It's supposedly the most frightening investigation of Zack's career. So much so that he bought the house and had it demolished. But he saved the staircase for his museum, I guess. And he even made a documentary about the investigation called Demon House. I wish he hadn't torn it down. I would have liked investigating there. I suppose the most prized possession of the museum, if you'll excuse the pun, is the infamous Dybbuk box. The Dybbuk box is a small wooden cabinet with two doors and a small drawer. It is supposedly possessed by an evil spirit, and it can haunt or curse anyone who opens it. There's a famous recent story of how Zach Baggins let musician Post Malone go into the uh, attraction and open the box. And within days, a series of unfortunate events occurred, including Malone having a medical episode while performing on stage and his private plane almost crashing. And of course, they make it a point to show you this video as you enter the room where the Dybbuk box is. So the hype over this box is pretty intense. And some of the people in my group actually chose not to go in. I, of course, could not wait. The museum has taken many precautions to make sure no one can make contact with the box. It's displayed on top of a pedestal with a ring of salt around it. And that is all contained inside a thick glass case. And then around the pedestal is a small barrier that keeps you just out of reach from the box. And you can walk all the way around it in a circle and see it from all angles, but you can't touch it. So I slowly walked around and I checked out all the details of the wood, and even noticed some marks in the salt, like someone's fingers had touched it. Now, I'm not a medium or a psychic or anything, but I definitely felt weird looking at this box. It kind of felt like someone was watching me. Now, of course, there are a lot of other attractions in the museum as well, but I don't want to go on for too long, my final review is this. I mostly enjoyed the museum, but I don't think it's for everyone. You definitely get your money's worth, but if I had any complaints, it would be that it's a little too long and that calling it a haunted museum is a little misleading. It's more true crime than haunted, really. But if you're into both of those things, then it's a win. My final critique would be there's way too much Zack on this tour. But that should be expected, I guess. Check out the blog section of my website to see some stock photos that I stole from Google of the museum and some of the attractions. Just go to my website, myparanormalstory.com. 
Remember to subscribe to this podcast, please, so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And if you don't mind, a positive review and five stars would help me out a lot. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest, or if you have any questions or comments, or if you have a paranormal story you'd like to share with me, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.